up, Nerds Nation? Welcome to the FN Nerds Podcast with the most dynamic duo in all of podcasting. I'm Nick Tenizio, and sitting across from me is my dude, Martin Moreno. What is up, bro? How we doing? Good, good. Today we are recapping The Mandalorian Chapter 11, The Heiress. But before we get started, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe and give this video a thumbs up. And if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else, please check back each week as we try to upload new content for you guys to listen to. So Chapter 11, The Heiress, finds Mando, Baby Yoda, and the Frog Lady crash landing on the planet Trask. Once there, Mando is led to a Quarren sea captain who offers to take him by boat to other Mandalorians. Quarren? Yeah, Quarren. Okay. Is that what I said? I thought you said, I thought for a second you said he has to acquire a sea captain. That's what I thought you oh, said. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, like, hey, like, hey. like Quarren, I guess, is the species. Like the, yes. Yeah, okay. Yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. Cool, All right. cool. We're on the same page. We're, We're on the same page. page. We're on the same page here. So uh, this was a very action-packed episode. So mm-hmm. I guess we could just kick it off first by doing the cold opening. Yes. What'd you uh, What'd you think of it? Cold opening was standard. It was cool. You know, very similar to episode two, where we picked up right from where episode one took off. It was a similar situation here. Where we pretty much picked up right where episode two took um, left us off, which with uh, essentially Mando and Baby Yoda taking the Frog Lady to Trask to meet up with her husband. Uh, we had some nice little fun elements of, you know, uh, kind of, again, showcasing the fact of how good of a pilot Mando is. Yes. You know, he had to pretty much land this thing, avoided the, the burnout or the burn up on reentry, yep, so to speak. Yep, yep. And then we got a little fun moment of like a thing blows up right before it lands and it falls into the water. Yes. And fun fact, that Mon Calamari, which uh, was there kind of taking care of that port where he landed, that was partially um, controlled by Janina Gavankar. Which is pretty awesome. Which is pretty awesome. Yeah. For the people who don't know, she has a pretty, um, she has a pretty big presence in Star Wars in recent years. She was Jin. Uh, she was Aiden Verso, the leader of Inferno Squadron from the Battlefront Two game, right? Uh, which you played a lot more than Nick. Nick handles the video game part. Yeah, of yeah, this yeah, duo. yeah. So, I, uh, I actually never played the campaign on that though. I never, I never oh, had okay. the chance to really get into it because Battlefront Two had like a lot of issues. So then I played more than you did. You probably played more than yeah. I did. But I remember when Battlefront Two came out and it had like a lot of issues kind of coming out the gate. And then I think it was last year they like did like some massive update and the game was like it got like fan. It was awesome. It was awesome to play. Really? So yeah. So I but I still haven't played the campaign yet. But I know like a lot of people liked. Yeah, like I played, I played a lot of it. Um, my, my brother Andre, like you know, he's a mm-hmm. big gamer too. He already oh, finished yeah. it. And he really loved it. So, uh, so yeah, it was cool to see to have her. Um, which is kind of like a, a Star Wars thing, you know, like when you think of like Daniel Craig or Tom Hardy, mm-hmm. how they kind of came here, stormtroopers. How like uh, how people just again with um Simon Pegg also how yes. these people just love to kind of come in here and do have a little small part, even though you can't tell it's them. Yeah, that it was it's um we're we're getting that as well in the series so right. that was fun to, to that was fun to like find out about right right mm-hmm. uh we are going to get into uh the director obviously this episode is directed by bryce dallas howard but one of the things that uh, i noticed especially when researching this episode is how much of the opening the cold open was a nice homage to apollo 13 and it's almost oh. like like shot for shot like mm-hmm. you know how when the ship is burning up on re-entry and you get like the inside of the ship, and it's starting to like uh, melt, like sweat and yeah. melt. Yeah, the same exact shots from Paul Thirteen. It's so Bryce. cool that that she uh, she did a nice homage to her father. So that was really cool. But yeah, other than that, it was a pretty pretty sweet opening. And then as we kind of get into the story, I love how there's like that. Uh, it's almost like an ATAT crane that just picks the ship up. Yeah. I thought that was a nice little in touch. that color palette. Yeah, oh, that cold gray color palette, which I am a fucking sucker for. It was so nice. I loved it. Like that. Like when we get that, like you said, the wide shot of that crane picking it up, and you can just tell it's like this cold, murky, mucky kind of world. Right. It's like um like a fish port, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, I'm like I fucked with this real hard. Yeah, I, was, I was all in. And I like how you. I didn't notice that. I like that you mentioned that because again, that's one of those things how we talk about a lot of how you want to pay homage to something. 
but if it works a story, like mm-hmm. if it fits a story, it works so much better. Yes. And it just, it felt like a natural situation for me and I didn't even pick that up. So right. the fact that it was a direct homage, that makes it that much more like, yeah, like exciting. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So as we're, as we move along in the episode, we get the, uh, this very heartwarming reunion between the frog lady and her husband, mm-hmm. which is really cool to see. It's a nice payoff from, uh, from chapter 10. And then Mando basically gets led to uh, a Quarren sea captain who basically is like, I will ferry you to find other Mandalorians. And lo and behold, it's a fucking double cross. That's right. This is where I double cross you. First rule of double cross. You don't announce the double cross before you double cross. It's not even a rule because it is so obvious. You know, just didn't see it coming. Uh, the uh, What was crazy about it too was how this dude just like fucking yeets Baby Yoda into the yeah into like the mouth of this this like sea creature of the kraken yeah of like the kraken mm-hmm. and it's like oh like holy shit like obviously you know he's gonna be fine but mm-hmm. still it was it was it was still an intense moment to see that happen. She must be hungry. Oftentimes we'll feed her in the early morning, but we missed that because we were going out of time. No. Just kind of echo what you said the heartwarming moment between the frog lady and her husband. Mm-hmm. I was making a joke. I'm like, bro, what if she, what if he comes around the corner with like some other frog bitch? <laughs> that would, that would hurt. That would fucking oh, suck. Oh, that'd be such a that heartbreaker. Would be terrible. So but they bad. reunited. It was nice. It was a nice little moment. And that, what you're talking about, the uh, corn cap and pretty much throwing Baby Yoda into the, the Kraken, so mm-hmm. to speak, uh, kind of reiterates something that I said earlier of how the this whole notion of how powerful Baby Yoda is and just how valuable he is, mm-hmm. people just do not know. There's a lot of people that don't know. Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing. You could definitely tell that these guys don't care about the child at all. Mm-hmm. They just want Mando's armor. Because if that were the case, they can literally just like... I mean, you could make the argument that they probably could have, like, retrieved... No, actually, you can't. That they no, can I mean, for the I, belly, I, I, honestly, I honestly think, I think that they have so. no idea about this bounty right, on the child. Right. And I think I mean? that um, they're really kind of focusing in on that. Like we said in episode one, the ambush, they didn't go for the baby. They went for the best car. Again, here, they're just going straight for the best car. And, um, and yeah, actually, that little that little conversation um, from the first one, like I just said, when they ignored Baby Yoda and they went for the best car, John Leguizamo's character says, like, how best car price continues to go up. Yes. So uh, I'm imagining that we're probably gonna get some more of this and just the whole notion of just how valuable it is and just how much people like, cause the one guy even says like, we're gonna be rich brother. Right, so, right, like, yeah. So like, uh, <laughs> so like, yeah, it just, this whole, um, that that again was like, kind of like a Leo moment for you. I'm like, again, again, yep, they so don't care about is, Baby yeah, Yoda, yep. they just care about- They just want the fucking, armor, they just want that armor. Right. So after uh, after Baby Yoda gets knocked in and basically eaten by the Kraken, uh, Mando, being the good dad that he is, jumps in after him, and the uh, the Quarren kind of like lock him in. Must be nice. <laughs> Just always gotta throw one. In. <laughs> but yeah, so he's kind of like locked in, and they're uh, they're fucking poking at him, trying to drown him, and then lo and behold, he gets saved by three Mandalorians that come in, which. I mean, we're, we'll, we'll get to this big reveal, but, you know, the, the nice thing that I liked is after they kind of save him and the gates open up, we get mm-hmm. the nice homage to, I guess, back to season one 
with the with the Mandalorian that saves Din Djarin as a kid. Mm-hmm. He reaches out to him, so I like that that we got that. Right. But so Mando gets saved, mm-hmm. and these three Mandalorians take their helmets off, which is a shock to Mando and Martin. Who right, do we like get? It stops um, Mando in his tracks. Stops Mando in his tracks. Like what the fuck? He's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and who do we get, Martin? Who's under we the helmet? We got Bo Katan of Clan Kreese from Mandalore, which was awesome to see her again. Um, it took me a second to realize that it was her, just because I think I was just kind of like. Kind of like ex- in like ecstasy, where I was like, oh right, my god, right. oh my god, it's so cool. <laughs> and it, it finally hit me like, oh my god, it's Bo. Uh, but I'm sure like some much more hardcore Star Wars nerds who have like who literally watched Clone Wars and Rebels like a zillion times over, like immediately recognized like, the like artwork, saw that was like, oh, saw that's the her. artwork, yep. saw the, uh, that which it is pretty recognizable. But like I said, it just didn't come to me at first. But yeah, she takes the helmet off. We get the scar. We get the hair. We get everything. And it was just one of the biggest like reveals in this show so far. Right, and it was fucking awesome. Yeah, it definitely was awesome. And we uh, we kind of get a little bit of insight into, I guess, uh, Mando's background. You know, in in learning that he is a children of the Watch, mm-hmm. which is that I, I guess that's not really related to like the Death Watch. That's what I'm not entirely sure. Which I'm not um, because the Death Watch is like a sort of radical group that broke off. Right, but they so, take their helmets off. Right, but the thing is, is that they were trying to like establish the old Mandalorian ways. Right. So I don't know if when when she said like children of the Watch, I don't know if she was referencing two actual like Death Watch. Mm-hmm. But wasn't Buzz, wasn't Bo Katan part of the Death Watch? She was, but then yeah. she uh, like we like we saw in the one episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, essentially, they like that. That with the episode that we saw, um, Clone Wars of Shades of Reason and Lawless, that was like very early on. Mm-hmm. That's obviously when um, Darth Maul takes over, and then she kind of breaks off, and that's kind of like when she kind of has like a character sort of shift. Yes, but even uh, but yeah, she was still taking off her helmet before that. So I think um, I'm not entirely sure, but uh, but I do think that actually might have been Death Watch, the one that saves him as a foundling. I right. think the people that kind of came in and took out those like those old school droids and the Kills family and that was rescued was him was the Death Watch. Was Death Watch, okay. yeah. So I think when she said a child of the watch, I think that she was actually referencing to Death Watch, which she was a part of like way back when. But we could be wrong. Right, right, yeah. Right. Yeah. So so moving on, obviously Mando does not like that these man that these so called man you know I don't, I don't think he even trusts that they are Mandalorians. That right, because he's like, where'd you get that armor? Yeah, where'd you get that armor from? Yeah, so he uh, that guy he, gets triggered quick. Oh yeah, he does get triggered really quick. He's got no no tolerance for any of that kind of shit. Not up in here. Oh, so he uh, he takes off, and basically he runs into more Quarren who. You know, for like, you killed my brother. You know, right. they have that whole back and forth. And then... Bad boys too. Motherfucker, yeah. you killed my brother. You killed my brother. <laughs> <laughs> so then Bo-Katan and her Mandalorians come back in. They save him yet again. And they're like, let me buy you a drink. So that's when we have like this sit down and we really get a sense of... You know, that, and that was the thing that I liked about the episode is if you didn't know who Bo-Katan was before, you get a good sense in this episode of who she is. Mm-hmm. And it's very simple. You know... You know where she comes from, who she is, and what she's after, and that's kind of all you need to know. Which is what good storytelling is. You yes. like that's what I'm saying. You don't need to that like the inside baseball. Like the people who watch Rebels, people who watch Clone Wars, like it has a bigger payoff, right. absolutely, and it, and it's definitely much more exciting, and you get like a, a bigger reaction from it. But for the people who don't, it's still just as impactful. Like oh, these three Mandalorians. Oh, it's cool. This woman's kicking ass, and then you still pretty much um, reveal and explain like who the character is without necessarily needing all this other context right but for the people who do know it it just makes it it just makes the payoff that much bigger yeah yeah, definitely and and the thing too with uh with the sit down and you know we kind of have like this running question throughout the entire series the mandalorian as to because they reference like the purge Mm -hmm. and um 
The Night of a Thousand Tears? Yes, that's it. Mm -hmm. The Night of a Thousand Tears. So there's references to all of that, and we really don't know exactly what happened. But obviously from where these characters had left off in like Clone Wars and Rebels to where we picked them up here, and obviously with Moff Gideon having the Darksaber, obviously he didn't have it you know, where we last saw it. You know what I right. mean? So that's the kind of thing. There's there's a lot of different questions as to, you know, where Bo-Katan, like what her journey's been like since Clone Wars ended or Rebels ended and mm -hmm. like, you know, just all these different stories. In terms of timeline, like in terms, because remember everything, fucking Star Wars shit's always out of it's, order. Oh, yeah, yeah. But in terms of timeline, the last time we saw Bo-Katan, we saw her in Rebels and she had the saber. So Sabine gave her the saber. That's when he kind of took back Mandalore in a way. Right. Uh, Sabine gave her a saber, and then everyone pretty much like pledged their allegiance to her, and she became the new ruler. So yes. So as of now, in terms of timeline, last that we saw her in in terms of like medium, right? Like, not like yes, a, in medium, not, not yet. books or like right, uh, in right. terms of like digital medium. Yes. Last time we saw her was like wielding the saber, but in uh, that's in terms of timeline. But in actuality, like the time last time we actually did see her was in season seven, and that's when her and Ahsoka took back. Mandalore from Darth Maul. Right. And at the time, she didn't have the saber. Because right. you got to think of, like, you know, yeah. again, timeline. Timeline. Because you know? that, yes. that was, um like, Revenge of the Sith mm -hmm. time. Right. Uh, whereas the Rebels is, like, right before New Hope. Right. And that, and now with Mandalorian, we are after Return of the Jedi. Right. Which I think is about eight years later. Yeah. yeah. Eight, eight years after yeah. New Hope. So, so uh, like, my, my whole thing is, like, what happened in right. those eight in years? Right. In those eight years, something happened where, you know, Moff Gideon somehow got a hold of the the dark saber you know? yes so. yes and and with with bo katan she mentions in the episode that she is the last of her kind and i'm pretty sure she has a nephew in the didn't she have a nephew in the series uh satine's son yeah maybe i'm not entirely sure i okay. have to i have to look back because i haven't um season seven i fucking crushed yeah like it was so good right uh and then obviously rebels that was a while back i have rewatched it every now and then but i can't really recall so i'm gonna have to look back into it but uh right uh, but yeah satine who was the duchess of mandalore who like her and uh, her um and um bo -Katan didn't like their ideologies didn't really agree on shit right so uh that's pretty much that was a lot of the the conflict be, be between that and obviously like you know satine was obi-wan's boo yes so yep, yep. yeah so uh so Bo-Katan has a, a huge, not just that, but with like like you, like you saw with Obi Wan, with Ahsoka, like she has a big familiarity with the Jedi. So like right. the way they're kind of laying out these seeds, it just yes. it makes so much sense. I know, like, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's it's really well done. It's really cool to see how the, all this is playing out. And they also mentioned that, or at least from um, Din Djarin's perspective, that man that Mandalore is an uninhabitable like an uninhabitable planet that's cursed. That anyone that goes there dies. And then Bo-Katan responds, don't believe everything you... Basically get, gives him a whole, like, don't believe everything you hear, son. Well, pretty much every... Yeah. <laughs> and well, every single time we get Mandalore, there's some shit going on. Like we said, when we first... Like, used the, with that episode that we saw, like, very early on, there was, like, the big conflicts within Mandalore before right. sort of death. All the hierarchies and everything like that. Exactly. Then we get... Um, then Darth Maul's ruling for a while. He, like, orchestrates this war to draw out Kenobi and Anakin, which we get, like, in Season 7. In, uh, in The Mandalorian, when we get her again... Uh, the Empire took Sabine's um, like uh, like blueprints for a weapon. Yeah. Because Sabine was originally a member of the Imperial Academy. Okay. And Sabine being like fucking badass, like she's super smart, knows her shit. She designed um, like she designed some blueprints for like this sort of a this this Imperial weapon that destroy that destroys Mandalorians through like their Beskar in a way. So it's like this kind of current oh. that is attracted to the Beskar right. and it heats it up and it pretty much vaporizes people inside. As you see, the arc generator's energy pulse is drawn 
to the Beskar alloy in the Mandalorian's armor, superheating it and instantly vaporizing the target. And all the while, doing no harm to our Imperial stormtroopers. Uh, so, so, so like the Empire took Sabine's sort of plans and actually built it and used it against Mandalorians. Oh, shit, okay. Yeah, so Mandalore's always, like, it's constantly, like, under... There's constantly a bunch of shit going right, on. Right, right. There's yeah, always shit so going on. <laughs> that's pretty much what I assume. Why I didn't was like that plan's fucking cursed. Yeah, no matter yeah. what, there's some people. There's always deaths. There's always conflicts. People right. are always fighting, and uh, and that's actually the last that we saw of it because after Sabine teams up with um, with Bo-Katan and everyone and Ezra and they all pretty much kind of take over the empire, get rid of that weapon. That's kind of like where we last leave off. That's where she gives her the saber, and that's where everyone pretty much follows um, Bo-Katan and. Right. That was like uh, episode two of season four, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So as as this conversation is kind of going on between mm-hmm. them, uh, Bo-Katan basically asks Mando for his help, and they want to steal this. Uh, the proper term is Gazanti class Imperial ship. Mm-hmm. So I guess the Gazanti class. And they're all chilling on top of the uh, Razor Crest, which is really cool. Right. But well, that was a pretty cool shot. So yeah, that, was, yeah. that was some like eighty <laughs> shit, you know, chilling on top of your truck. Yeah. And yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so she wants help in basically pulling off like a heist to steal these weapons. Mm-hmm. And he reluctantly agrees and he leaves Baby Yoda with the frog lady. And automatically, dude, my anxiety shot through the roof because I'm like, oh, fuck, he's going to oh eat more God, eggs. God, I know. Me too, bro. <laughs> and then we get the cool little twinkle and we get the, that yes. shot again up against the glass. Yep. But he says he's like, you better behave. You know yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, but yeah, talking, same thing. Yeah. I'm like, God, I, please don't eat these. Don't fucking... eat any more eggs. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so Mando leaves uh, Baby Yoda with uh, with the frog people, and basically they go pull off this this heist on this Imperial ship, mm-hmm. and it's it's just it's so cool to watch. You know, just I I don't know why. Like every time I see like Mando come down from his jetpack, it's just like the coolest fucking thing. Well, that ever. shot was incredible. <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty. Which cool we're shot. going to get into the camera work a little bit later, but that looks sort of like far away, hazy shot of the ship pulling off, and then we see the the four mans kind of coming to frame. Right, it was fucking incredible. Yeah, and uh, so obviously we get a really cool a really cool action sequence of them trying to take the ship, and we come to find out that Bo-Katan does not just want the guns; she wants the entire ship, which Would- Mando is pretty upset about because he's because that means she's altering the deal. I am altering the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further. Yeah, which is actually something that happens a lot in Rebels. Like yes. A lot of times like in, in Rebels, like Ezra and and um, the Rebels go, and you pretty much like steal Imperial shit because you need it. You need, mm-hmm. you need stuff for, for your fight. So right. it doesn't matter where you get it from, you eventually have to get it. So And she even says that she's like, these weapons in the ship are going to help me take back Mandalore. Yes. So again, some shit's going on in Mandalore oh, yeah. that we don't really know. But yeah, it was just awesome. Um, again... It was very Rebels-esque or very Clone Wars-esque, very animated world of seeing just all these sort of uh, Mandalorians taking out all these stormtroopers. I love how they use their um, how they use their their technology, like throwing the smoke and then going to Predator Vision to yep. take them all out. And if you kind of noticed, this is the first time that Mando is like lagging. Yeah, he's, he's always he's, behind. He's kind of behind. Yeah. yeah, because he's like these people know their shit. And right. like Mando, up to this point, he's been like the Mandalorian, the trained killer. Mm-hmm. And now we get like a, uh, we got him a little bit, obviously, with the covert in episode one. I mean, I'm sorry, in season one. But we're actually getting them like in action, like you said, the close quarter combat mm-hmm. in the corridor, and Mando like is kind of falling behind a little bit. So that's just that's just awesome to see like all these Mandalorians interacting and like they're sort of um they're different kind of like techniques and shit. Yes, and styles. And, yeah, it was fucking awesome. It was yeah, so yeah. much fun. Yeah. Well, Mando also gets his his nice moment where he basically 
takes the two where like they're kind of stuck in that one corridor trying right. to get to the, the bridge of the ship and Mando just like kind of takes two bombs Which and just I didn't like, really understand because they were they were literally doing that the entire time right like they were just like they were literally methodically going through corridor like throwing bombs and grenades and well, maybe because they were just too I guess I guess because of no because of how they were behind the door and like their maybe. guns they had like those two kind of like almost like rail guns where it was more like a, yeah. of a rapid fire maybe because they weren't thing. like charging at them so yeah, they couldn't yeah, probably yeah, yeah. counter the attack right right but I was just like bro you guys is literally just wrecked shop you literally no, just yeah. you, can't you, take out these, can't six, more, a couple, these yeah. six more stormtroopers <laughs> like really I guess you gotta have make it a little difficult I guess I guess <laughs> uh, and you gotta give me like we said Mando was lagging so we yes. gotta give him his moment we gotta give him right, his uh, right. redemption. So, so as they're plowing through all these guys, they eventually make it to the bridge, and we get uh, Titus Welver, who uh, you know you recognize him from Gone Baby Gone, the town. Uh, he's a, he's another Deadwood star that has now popped up on the Mandalorian. He has his own show, Botch, right? Yes, he has his own show, Botch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was cool seeing him as kind of like I guess the Imperial um, captain, captain, I guess mm-hmm. you could say. And we also get our first our first peek at Moff Gideon this episode, which we haven't seen him yet. So it was nice to finally see John Carl Esposito pop in in this episode. And I do love this whole, uh, like, just how brutal the Empire is, where mm-hmm. he's like, oh, the ship is lost, just, you know, you're, you're fucked. You know take what you down. gotta do. Yep, take you know, it down. Yeah. And um, and credit to the the one British uh, pilot. Yeah. I thought that one guy was did a great job. Yeah. That was just scared the whole time. Yeah, yeah. But I thought the way he, like, the way he emoted all this kind of, like, fear and anxiety, like, oh, my yeah. God, I'm going to fucking die. I thought he did a really good job, Um, which was just, it was such a minimal role, but I thought he kind of stood out in a way. But, uh, but yeah, something that we were saying was I think this is the first time that we saw, like, an actual live holographic mes- message. Yes. Which was just cool to see. Yeah. It's nothing major, but it's, it's just kind of cool to yeah. see. Um, uh, and, yeah, they eventually fight their way through. They get their weapons. Like you said, Bo-Katan is altering the deal. They break into the uh, cockpit. Yep. Uh, after the captain takes out those two pilots and he's, like, crashing the ship, they break into the cockpit. And then we get the big reveal. So yeah, there's actually a few big reveals. So after they're able to take the ship, uh, you know, Bo-Katan learns, learns what she needs. She knows that the Darksaber is held by Moff Gideon. Mm-hmm. And we got a nice Hail Hydra moment from, uh, from the captain. You might let me live, but he won't. And what's cool too is that she asks, she's like, um, where's the saber? And then he pretty much says like, if you ask me, you already know where it is. Right. So like, you know, there, again, we already know that Bo-Katan kind of in a way knows that he has it. Right. Moff has it. And like, how did he get it? Right. How did he get it? Well, we'll find out. That's, that's the big thing. All right. So after that, then we get, um, you know, Din Djarin who wants to know where the Jedi are, which I don't even think we've mentioned that, that the whole point of the deal was that in order for Bo-Katan to get Mano to help her, she promised him that she would tell him where the Jedi are. Oh, did we not mention we that? We didn't mention that, oh, shit. which well, was a pretty big point. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> well, there you go. So obviously he helps her out and she gives, you know, basically has this massive name drop. Take the foundling to the city of Kaladin on the forest planet of Corvus. There you'll find Ahsoka Tano. Tell her you were sent by Bo-Katan. And thank you. Yeah, uh, so it's really cool for all the Clone Wars and Rebels fans to hear that name drop. We kind of had an inkling that we were going to get this character this season, but to actually get confirmation is pretty pretty exciting. I actually assume that she might come in in Episode 5 because mm-hmm. uh, it hasn't really been confirmed which episode the directors are directing. Mm-hmm. Unless if it has, then I might have missed it. But I just assumed that Dave Filoni was going to do Episode 5 right in direct Episode 5 because he did last season's yes. Episode 5. So... Um, 
even though we do get that awesome name dropped of Ahsoka Tano and where she is, she's on a uh, on a forest moon or a forest planet. Which, when you think of like Yoda when he uh, exiled himself to Dagobah, right? Or when you think of Luke when he went to Octu, it was like a like a green island. Mm-hmm. We talk about green, bro. We talk right, about right, nature, like right. connection to life, connection to the force. So maybe even though it's a city, maybe she went to a sort of like forest. Um, inhabited planet or moon to kind of in a way kind of like maybe meditate become one with force again kind of like you know kind of gain her strength back so yeah. to speak possibly who knows we'll find out but um i'm not expecting to see her next episode right i'm expecting that we're probably gonna get some sort of like sidetrack mission <laughs> right and then we'll get her in episode five but uh but yeah that name drop just like the way it was just done like it was so good yeah yeah so it, the good. way it was presented was pretty awesome mm-hmm. and you know, I think this was an episode that the Mandalorian really needed. It needed a nice home run because even though this is still kind of in the same vein of like the adventure of the week kind of deal, it still moved the main plot forward more. Right. I and mean, you got more reveals and more of like this overall big story that, that the Mandalorian is trying to tell. So I'm, I'm really happy with this this episode just in general because like I think it was it was what this season had needed. And then, you know, after having two episodes that even though we really liked the first episode, you know, it's still... You in know, a way of filler. In a way of filler. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're kind of just meandering with, with you know, the story. So to, right. to get this did. moving along, it's nice. And we definitely did move the story forward because he needed to find more Mandalorians, which he did. Mm-hmm. He needed to know where the Jedi are, which he found out. Right. And we assume that it's going to have, like, later repercussions because obviously, he's, obviously um, Bo-Katan is kind of, like, gathering shit. So whether we know, whether we find out later on on why she was doing it, like, we can get, like, a little, like moment down the road where she's like oh yeah remember when you helped me steal those shit right it's for this yes. because we're doing this um the obviously the question begs to differ is sabine with ahsoka mm-hmm. because last time we saw ahsoka uh her and sabine went off to find ezra mm-hmm. so there's a lot of unanswered questions yes. that were left at the end of rebels and clone wars and the fact that they're kind of taking this new medium this new series to kind of um continue that storytelling or possibly continue that storytelling like it's it's nuts. Yeah, it's fucking nuts. Yeah, I know. It's, de- it's definitely so crazy. So excited. <laughs> All right, so I guess we can now get into the director of this episode. Mm-hmm. It was Bryce Dallas Howard's sophomore effort, and she did an absolutely fantastic job. She crushed it. I thought she uh, it out of the fucking park. You know, for you know, after you know, doing season one with chapter four, which chapter four of season one is one of my least favorite episodes, but it has nothing to do with her directing. Mm-hmm. I think it's more of just the story that it tries to tell. You know, I didn't buy into the whole like Mando teaching like these like river these these river fishermen, mm-hmm. you know, to you know a, you know basically trains them for a few hours to fight against like these uh, these raiders. <laughs> it reminded me a lot of like Army of Darkness. But in terms of, like her direction, I thought it was pretty good. So. You know, I was always curious to see what how she was going to follow it up with this season, and you know, we didn't know, we didn't know who directed this episode, so we're watching it, and we were we kept saying to yeah. ourselves, "Who the fuck directed this?" There's episode? a lot of moments I'm like, "Who the fuck directed yeah. this?" It's so good. And then when it ends and we saw her name, we're like, "Oh, oh my god, it was Bryce, so so good!" You, yeah, she, she did a really awesome job. She did an amazing job. And uh, and yeah, episode four from last season was a kind of like was kind of like the first episode that kind of strayed away from the main story. Yes, that that's like the that episode kind of kicked off the. Uh, three story of the week um, episodes right. arc, so to speak. Uh, so yeah, that was kind of like, um, and it was a follow-up to episode three of last season, which was like amazing. Right. That was the one that was directed by uh, Deborah Chow. Deborah Chow, yeah. Right, with all the Mandalorians and everything. So yeah, so to, that was my, one of my big things, aside from um, 
like when we got the announcement of the directors, there was a lot of stuff that I was looking forward to. One of them was sort of Bryce Dallas Howard's sophomore effort to see what she learned, how she can better her storytelling and directing. And yeah, I thought she did an incredible job. I thought the camera work for this episode was like probably the best we've gotten so far. Yeah. I love those kind of like angle shots looking down the corridor and having the stormtroopers run. Yeah. I love the um, when Din jumps into the water to see Baby Yoda, how we're getting like a point of view. Like when we first see Bo-Katan come down, we're looking through the grill. Yes. So it's like it adds to like just a sort of like point of view kind of like um, element to it. Um, and also just some really nice shots like when uh – you know, after Mando leaves that 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 fishing ship, and he's standing on the shore looking out. The Michael you, Bay shot. The Michael Bay shot, and you see uh, the three Mandalorians go up in the air, and the ship explodes. It's a fucking beautiful shot. Yeah, and then when Mando jumps off the ship, yeah, after he gets this information. He kind of just like free dives off. <laughs> yeah. I think at that point, I was like, okay, I I really need to know who the fuck directed this episode right, right. because this is like incredible. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, hats off to her. I think she did an amazing job. And. Uh, and I'm like now more excited to see what she directs moving forward. Yeah, yeah, whether definitely. it's more I mean, Star Wars or whatever. So I was I'm gonna like, say, man, she really showed like a lot of chops, and not not just in like the the action directing. She did a really good job of blending a lot of different tones in this episode. You know, because there's you have moments that are very comedic, you have moments that are very heartwarming, you mm-hmm. have obviously the thrilling action moments, you have moments of drama. So she was able to take all these different elements and blend them all together seamlessly without it feeling like out of place. And I, and that was like one of the one of the best things I could say about the episode. Right. And uh just continue to say um continue to give Baz Iodine credit, the cinematographer, right. who I believe is doing it. He's just doing an incredible job. Yeah, he's doing a really incredible a really, job really good for job. sure. And then also too, uh, I have to shout out um Luca Gorison. Man, his score has been Dude, has been insane this season. So much new music, and yeah. it's not available. I know. I, I don't understand try, why. I keep trying to find it. That, but... That's what makes no sense because season one, his his music for each episode would come out the day after the episode dropped. Mm-hmm. So you would get it on Spotify, and it was the coolest thing because I would love doing that, like watching the episode, then listening to all the music from that episode. Now they're not doing it. I don't know why. Dude, the fucking uh, it was all like it was all Tenet. Yeah, it, it, sounds, was it sounds like, so much like Tenet. It was like super jacked yes. up, super and, screechy, And the fact that it intense. was somewhat of a heist episode, like yeah. it kind of, it just felt so in, I turned you know. to you at one point, I'm like, bro, is this posterity? Like, yeah. what the fuck is going on? <laughs> but uh, yeah, but the the Banta score from the first episode, yeah, the, Yoda, the Baby Yoda, Baby Yoda theme. theme that we got last episode, right. now here, all these kind of like, again, Tenet-like scores, I'm like, I, I need this. Yeah, he's like, crushing I it, I fucking man. need this. He's so crushing it. Release it, Disney. Yeah, like, no, release it. now. So before we uh, we wrap this up, I had just have some uh, a few random observations. Uh, did you notice that when in the beginning when Mando goes to that uh, that place to eat where he gets the information about the um, the quarantine captain, he the gives inn. what the inn? Yeah, the inn basically. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. Uh, he gives um, the Mon Calamari the. Uh, the coins? The coins, yeah, from, from season one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't notice. Like, I, like, I read about that. I was like, oh, shit, I didn't realize. I like how they kind of brought that back. Oh, yeah. I noticed that, but I didn't really think anything. Oh, okay, yeah, no. I think it's just, just currency. Yeah, you know? yeah, like, I, don't, yeah. I didn't realize that maybe it was um, a special type of currency. Well, no, because that's what he gets paid in, like the I think, the first episode of, of season yeah, one. Yeah, so that's like, uh, part of the guild. How yes. like, there were always guild members that, were, um, that sort of Greek cargo was like sending out on like bounties and missions and shit. Right. I don't know if maybe all of guild members are paid in that. Right. So that could be an interesting thing. Maybe if whenever you see that sort of currency, maybe that means it could possibly be part of a guild. Oh, true. But true, yeah, true. I didn't really notice it, but the fact that you're mentioning it might have like might have been done on purpose. Yeah, yeah. That's that, that was my thing. I thought it was just a nice little callback yeah. to season one. And that one one calamari uh server or whatever yeah. sounded a lot like Akbar. He definitely sounded like Akbar. I, I wonder yeah. if it was the same person who voiced <laughs> Akbar, but uh, uh, it's possible. It's yeah. possible. And then uh the other the other thing that I just noticed was we get another nice alien nod. 
with Baby Yoda eating his clam chowder, and then that so little, that little face hugger comes out and grabs him, which is hysterical. And then the um, <laughs> at the end, it was very uh, Covenant. The, the oh, big yes, spider from yes, Covenant yeah. that we get at the end. So that, again, I don't know what the fuck's going on with all the alien I don't know, references. man. There's so many alien references. Oh, speaking of. What? And again, these things just naturally work. We got a new member at oh, the table. Oh, yes, yes. So we have a very new member at the table. We have a, a new cool Xeno action figure. So the people who are listening, maybe go check out the YouTube video. Mm. And then you'll see what I'm talking about. But we got a cool little egg with a with a face hugger and a Xeno action figure that's got a mouth within the mouth. We just got it yesterday from Midtown Comics. Uh, so, yeah, welcome to the tables, you know. Welcome to the table. Uh, so, yeah, so we're just wrapping this up. Uh, like I said, Chapter 11, I think, was an episode that Mandalorian Season 2 desperately needed. It was a big home run. It had, I think, everything you could want, and it also really moved the plot forward while, you know, reintroducing some fan favorite characters. And, you know, going forward, man, this is they're they're, they're setting up something. I, I think they're setting up something pretty cool. And especially if we get this season, the conflict between Bo-Katan and Moff Gideon, her, like her trying to get the Darksaber mm-hmm. back. If that's part of this season, that's like in the finale of just this big battle of them trying to get it back. That's going to be insane, man. And then they recruit Ahsoka Tano to everyone. It'll be, it'll be Clone Wars all over again. That's Ahsoka what I mean, Tana, man, yeah. Ahsoka Tano and Bo-Katan out here trying to fighting in Mandalore and doing all this crazy I know, shit. dude. Um, but something else, too. The more episodes we get, the more they're literally just chopping away at the marketing. Yes. Like, we're, we're, we're in now, um, moving forward, where the only thing that we haven't seen from the marketing were the scout troopers on the speeders yes. and the footage that we got of Gina Carano and Grief Karga. Yes. Those are the only things that we haven't seen so far. Right. Very true. So very true. We're ta- we're, there's a lot of shit. I know we said this before, but there's a lot of shit we haven't seen. Yep. Um, I do, again, wish the episode were a little bit longer. Yeah. I, yeah. That, if, if I had to have a negative for this episode, I kind of wish it was 10 minutes longer because where in between him getting off that fisherman ship and them going to uh, steal the guns. Mm-hmm. I kind of wish there was a little bit more just like meat, meat. just a little yeah. bit more meat, a little bit more Bo-Katan, maybe a little bit more, you know, conversations, discussions, a little bit more conflict, a little bit more conflict, you know, mm-hmm. conflict of ideologies exactly. and things like that. You know exactly. what I mean? So I wish there was a little bit more meat to this episode, but it was still a fantastic episode. It was still a fantastic episode, but it was really fast. You know, like, you know, like I'm sensitive. Like take take your time with me, you know? right, right? Like let's enjoy the moment, you know. Uh, <laughs> Whisper but, sweet nothings into my ear. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Come on, just be gentle with me. Just be gentle with me. But uh, but yeah, um, even though it was fast and it was short, it still got everything. It still got all its points across. And again, yeah, fantastic episode. It actually might be my favorite episode so far out of the entire series. Yeah, I I, I would I would think the only episodes that I think come into play uh, are the last two of season one because I love I love the last two of I season love, one. I do too, but yeah. I think this awesome I think this was just kind of um in terms of like the the hardcore fans or like people who like are very invested in Rebels right, and Clone right. Wars. Like, like really, it, this was a nice payoff for them. I literally, I fell to the floor. I know you did. <laughs> <laughs> and we are not joking. No. Like when they, when she drops a Soka Tano, my body just turned into a noodle. Dude, I haven't seen I haven't, I haven't seen you get that excited for something since since oh Cat picked up Thor's hammer. I don't think you've uh, gone that crazy since. So good, so good. Just like actually, Josh asked me, he's like, "Who is that chick?" I'm like, "Oh, you know, she's a she's a known character." He was like, "Did you lose your mind when she popped up?" I was like, "Maybe, maybe. Who knows? Maybe. Who knows?" But yeah, incredible episode. Incredible, incredible episode. episode. All right, guys, that does it for us. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you for listening. Remember to like this video, and subscribe to our YouTube page, and remember you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere else where you can see that big beautiful FN logo. Guys, tell us your thoughts on Chapter 11. Did you love it? Did you hate it? What do you think? What do you think is going to happen going forward? We're going to get we're going to get a filler I'm this week. Pro- probably going to get a filler get this a filler. week, but, it's, we'll it's, but, but, but if it's a good filler, I'm I'm all for it. I'll 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 take it at this point. So, mm-hmm. 
But yeah, guys, again, thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Bye.